Welcome to The Real Church Podcast. Our mission is for you to know the love of Jesus and live out your God-given purpose. Now, join us and listen in to the latest message from Pastor David John Phillips. We are continuing uh, the series on worship, the worship series. Last week, we talked about a worshiper the Father seeks. How many of you guys would like to be a worshiper that the Father, that the Heavenly Father seeks? Yeah, I know I would like that, right? A couple of you guys would like that. No, really, how many of you guys would like to be a worshiper that the Heavenly Father seeks? Yeah? Good, yeah. Just, hey, it's kind of good to move and wake up a little bit sometimes, right? But we're continuing the worship series today, continuing the conversation about worship. And before we do, I want to pray. So let's pray together. Father, I just thank you for who you are. Lord, and I thank you that you're here. Lord, I thank you that you're teaching us. Lord, teaching us about worship, teaching, teaching us what it means to worship, that it's about you. It's not about us, Lord. It reorients our focus to you. So thank you for that, Father. Today, I, I pray that you get us out of the way. Get me out of the way, Lord God. Let it be your words that speak. And, because if it's just me, it's not going to change any hearts. It's not going to change anybody. But if it's you, it will impact everybody under the sound of my voice. Whether it's the podcast or people right here in service, it will impact them for eternity. People will walk away changed with a deeper understanding of your love for them. A deeper understanding of who you are. So Father, let us sit on the edge of our seats today. Lord God, let us be in tune to hear what you have to say. And every distraction be gone in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. So we're just going to dive right in. We're going to go to my favorite, one of my favorite scriptures about talking about worship. And we've referenced it many times. The beginning of this may be a little bit of review, but that's okay. Let's go to Romans chapter 12 in verse 1. It says this. It says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice Holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. Basically, this verse says, therefore, because you see this, do this, and all of that is worship. Right? Therefore, because you see this in view of your mercy, do this, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, and all of that is your true and proper worship worship. You guys see that? So let's just break that apart. The therefore, when you see a therefore, I mean, if you've ever, ever been in church and there's a therefore, the preacher always says, well, you got to go back and see what it's there for, right? So let's go to right beforehand in Romans chapter 11, verses 33 through 36. So therefore, so this is showing why we worship. Romans eleven thirty-three. 33, it says, oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has, given, uh, who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him, everybody say from him. And through him, say through him. And for him, everybody say for him. Are all things to him be glory forever and ever. Amen. It's interesting. Therefore, so why we worship is what we just read, and it has nothing to do with me in there. It has nothing to do with I. 
Worship reorients our focus from me to he. It reorients our thinking from us to him. When we worship, you can't worship God and be so focused on your problems. Right? We take our focus off of the problems, off of what we're going through, and we put our focus on who he is, on what he has done, on what he is doing, on what he can do, on, on just everything about him. That is worship, and it's amazing, and it's wonderful. That's why we worship. It's about how amazing Jesus is. So therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, just another dig. It's another thing. Hey, we're, we worship because we're seeing him, and what is mercy? Not getting what we do deserve. Out of his goodness, out of his amazingness. Like we deserve, because of our past sin and because of our junk, we deserve to be separated from this loving God for eternity. We deserve death and hell. We deserve cursing. We deserve all kinds of junk in our life. And you might think, well, I've been a good person. I don't deserve it. No. Well, think, if, if you've done one thing wrong, you're guilty of doing everything wrong, according to the Bible, right? And so because of what we've done, we deserve junk. But because of his mercy, he doesn't give us what we deserve. You know, a lot of times I think we focus on what we don't have as a bad thing when we should focus on what we don't have as a good thing. God's not giving us what we deserve, the junk. So thank you, Jesus, for what, for, for what I don't have in my life. I don't have punishment um, uh, for my sin because all of the punishment fell on Jesus. I don't have uh, uh, all of this, this junk. I'm not in hell right now. Thank you, Jesus, that you love me. Thank you for your mercy and your grace towards me. You love me. It's amazing and wonderful. It causes me to take the focus off of me and what I don't have and put it on him. Or, amen? Okay. In view of his mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. Now the question is, how, it kind of seems a little bit vague. What does it mean? How do we offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, right? How do we put that in today's language? I mean, what does that really mean for me today? I, I want to... Let's put that just to the side for a second. Let's go to another verse. Romans chapter 6, verse 12 and 13. It says, therefore, this is right in line with that, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey all of its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. So we, we have this word offer that's in both verses. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Here it says don't offer your members or the parts of your body as an instrument of wickedness, but offer them as an instrument of righteousness. And why do we do that? Well, it says, therefore. Why? Right before. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. What it's talking about there, and we talked about this a little bit last week because we had baptism. We had eight people get baptized last week. How amazing is that? Yes. Why do we offer ourselves, our, our bodies apart as instruments of righteousness? And we're going to dig into this, so don't worry. We do that. Because we count ourselves, what does it say? 
We count ourselves in this dead to sin, but alive to Christ Jesus. Why do we do that? Well, we talked about baptism last week. It's a burial ceremony, right? And I know I'm just, I'm, I'm, re, uh, I'm going over some things again, but I, wanna, I want to really dig this down so we can get the rest of it. Baptism is a burial ceremony. When you go into the water, you don't, you don't bury someone that's still alive. You bury someone that's dead. When you go into water, you're recognizing that the old David John Phillips is dead and gone, buried, done away with, crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Dead to sin. But when I come up out of the water, I have been resurrected to new life in Christ Jesus. I have his life in me. I'm not who I always felt like I was. And sometimes I'm not even who I feel like I am now. I am who he says that I am. His word trumps what I feel and what I always thought. Right? So because of all of that, because of all of that, then I present my members or, uh, as instruments or my body parts as instruments of righteousness and not instruments of wickedness. Now hold that in your mind. Hold that in your thoughts. Let's go back to Romans chapter 12, verse 1. We're going to connect it all here in a second. Romans 12, verse 1. Once again, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies, offer your members as instruments of righteousness and not wickedness, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is worship. How do we do that? How do we do all of those things? The next verse tells you. The next verse gives the practical of how. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. What does it say? Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Hold on. What is the pattern of the world? The pattern of the world is sin. The pattern of the world is choosing not God. What is that? The Bible says anytime that you know the good you should do and don't do it, it's sin. The Bible says anytime you know the, oh, well, anytime you know the good you should do and don't do it is sin. So anytime you know the bad you shouldn't do and do it, that's sin too. Choosing not him. That's what sin is, right? That's the pattern of this world. What's an example? Well, gossip, lies, rage, unkindness, selfishness, greed, sex outside of marriage, dirty joking, cheating, lies, white lies, little white lies. Somebody cuts you off in traffic, and, it's in, and instead of uh, when they cut you off in traffic, you turn the worship music down. You say, what? You cuss them out, and then you turn it back up. Anybody? <laughs> well, okay. Just, just being real. So, so just hold on. Trust me. It's going to get encouraging in a second. What are all of those things? All of those things, a lot of them we do without even thinking. They're habits that we have, that have been trained because we grew up in this world. And the power of sin in this, is in this world. And we just grew up thinking that it's normal. And they have become habits. So our, 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 our bodies have become instruments of wickedness instead of instruments of righteousness. Now hold on, let me, let me connect this. Romans 12.1, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. This is your true and proper worship. So to worship, we offer ourselves as a living sacrifice to God. Instruments of righteousness, right? How do we do that? Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your... So there's some kind of connection between offering our body and having our mind renewed. There's a connection to 
your body being an instrument of righteousness and the renewing of your mind. See, when you give your life to Jesus, when you receive Jesus into your heart, when you say, you know, God, forgive me, and you receive that forgiveness, you're born again, you're transformed, you're made completely new. God looks at you, and he sees the goodness of Jesus credited to your account. You're in right standing with him from the inside out. His spirit lives in you, and it's amazing, and it's wonderful. And new here. And there's still some old habits, some old ways of thinking that haven't yet been transformed. And so because there's some old ways of thinking that haven't been transformed, there's still some old habits in our members that need to be transformed and changed from instruments of wickedness to instruments of righteousness. Now what happens when we fall? Does that mean we're just a filthy, rotten sinner? No, you're brand new from the inside. When God looks at you, he sees you as forgiven and righteous and holy. That is truth. And as we grow in our understanding of who that is, the truth that's in here begins to come out more and more and other people see it more and more and more because we're being transformed into his likeness. How? By the Holy Spirit teaching us and renewing of our mind, which is changing the habits of our members. Let me show you. Let's discuss that. What happens if your head itches? You scratch it, right? If you have an itch, you scratch it. You don't have to think about scratching that itch. It's natural. It's normal. It just happens. Why? Because since the time that you were born, when, you, when your head itched or something on your skin itched, you learned to scratch that itch, and you have to think more about not scratching it than scratching it. Right? Your hand is just so good at that because it's been trained by your brain. You even scratch itches in your sleep. You don't have to. It's just a reaction. It's just normal. So your hand is an instrument of scratching. (laughs) Drivers, you know, unless you just got your license a couple weeks ago or a month ago or so, you don't have to think about how to crank your car. You just get in the car as you're on the phone and you just put your key in and do it. You don't have to think about how far, how far do I turn it this time to make sure it cranks. Maybe some of us should. Uh, you know, put the brake on and then put it in reverse. You don't have to think about that anymore. It's become natural to you. Oh, do I, wait, how do I make it go again? Oh, I punched the gas. No, it's just become natural. So natural, in fact, that you almost do it subconsciously so that you can do so many other things while you're driving, like talking to the person beside you, talking on the phone, some of you texting. I shouldn't do that. Lord, forgive me. Really, I need to grow. But even eating cereal, No. (laughs) No. But driving has become so natural because of the habit of doing it. Our brain has trained our body parts to do it so much that we even do it subconsciously so much we don't have to think about it. We can do other things while we're doing it. It's just become part of us. Our body is an instrument of driving. Yeah? You guys follow me so far? Good. 
In the same way, growing up in this world, our body and minds learn to become instruments of wickedness, of sin without even having to think about it. For example, you're sitting at home, somebody walks in, or you're sitting in the beauty shop or the barber shop or at work in the office in the break room, somebody walks in and says, hey, did you hear about so-and-so? I can't believe they just, and, and everybody leans in, what? Tell me, what, what's going on? Our ears have become instruments of gossip. Without even thinking about it, we just naturally and normally lean in. And then when we're around other people and we don't have anything to talk about, we just say, oh man, did you hear about our mouths have become instruments of gossip? Right? It's just natural. It's just normal. Because we grew up hearing it. We grew up seeing it and thinking it. And, and all of a sudden our brains do it subconsciously where you know, we have to try to stop instead of trying to do it. Another example, our eyes. With when that cute man or cute woman walks by, without even having to think about it, all of a sudden your eyes go, and then, hey, did you see that? Yeah? Whoa. Eyes have become instruments. Just without even, it's just subconscious. It's just normal because our brain has trained our eyes to do it so much that it's just normal. They become instruments of lust. And Jesus says if you lust after a woman or a man in your heart, it's the same as adultery. Our eyes have become instruments of adultery without even thinking about it. And the list could go on and on and on. So the question is, how do we change this? How do we offer all of our parts as instruments of righteousness instead of instruments of wickedness? How do we offer our body as a living sacrifice, which is our true worship? Well, we have to allow the Holy Spirit to train us in relationship. This is not legalism. It's relationship with him. And he's training us in the little by little what it looks like to follow him and to submit to him in the little things. Offering our eyes, offering our ears, offering our hands, our feet as a living sacrifice to him. Romans 12, 2, by being transformed, and how does he do this? By being transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let me explain. I'm, I'm going to say something and then I'm going to explain it. From your thoughts come your feelings. When you feel strongly about something consistently, it most likely becomes an action. And when actions are repeated over and over and over, they become habits. And when you have a habit that, that is normal, then it becomes your lifestyle and it becomes who you think that you are. Right? And other people see you and they identify you by your habits. Right? By your quote-unquote lifestyle. Now, do you realize this? Americans really all around the world, but Americans specifically, are schizophrenic. Meaning, we think, especially in today's culture, we think, if I feel this way, it's my truth. It's who I am. I feel this way. This is, I can't change how I feel. This is me. This is, this is, I've always been this way. I feel this way, therefore it is. And that is a lie from the pit of hell. 
Let me, and, and if I just stepped on your toes, if, like, if the shoe fits, it's time to take it off and throw it away. Yeah? If I just stepped on your toes, let me explain. See, Americans are schizophrenic because the general populace believes that if I feel it, it is my truth. However, marketers and advertisers, right, know the opposite. They know, they know the truth. Because we can't, you're right, you're, you're, you're right, we can't directly change how we feel. It's impossible to directly change how you feel. You can't in a moment feel a certain way and say, I just choose to feel some other way. And then all of a sudden you feel the different way. You can't directly change how you feel. You're exactly right. But you can indirectly change how you feel. Why? Because your thoughts control your feelings. What you think about consistently controls how you feel. If you feel a certain way, you can always go back to what have you been thinking about, and it came from that thought. If you feel insecure, you've probably been thinking or comparing yourself to somebody else, or you've been thinking about what somebody else said about you, or whatever this is, and all of a sudden you feel insecure. So advertisers understand this. They understand that your thoughts control your feelings. And what controls your thoughts? What goes into your eyes and what goes into your ears? What goes into your senses? The gate into your mind. So advertisers knowing this, what do they do? Well, they pay millions and millions of dollars to get 30 seconds in front of your eyes. And millions and millions of dollars to get 30 seconds into your ears. Why do they do this? Because they know that if they can shift what you see and what you hear enough, get it into your eyesight, get it into your ears, they know that they will shift what you think about. And if, they, if you get you to think about something enough, it will shift how you feel about that thing. And if you feel something enough, then it will shift what you do. For instance, do you have a bottle of water, baby? Man, this Zephyr Hills water, it's just amazing. I'm so, my mouth is so dry right now. It's, oh my gosh. Mmm. So refreshing. My mouth went from dry to just, it's amazing right now. I'm, I'm telling you, I am so, my thirst is so quenched by this Zephyr Hills natural Florida spring water. Mm. Oh. Wow. So good. Uh, right? So some of you got thirsty. Some of you, without realizing it later, you'll go and look for a bottle of water in a gas station just because you're thirsty, and you'll, you'll, you'll see all the different kinds, and you'll buy a, you'll notice, after I say this, without even thinking about it, you'll notice you bought a Zephyr Hills water bottle. You'll get back in your car, and you'll look at it, and you're like, wait, pastor was right. You ever see a Coca-Cola commercial, and, 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 you know, about an hour later, you realize you're ordering a Coke at McDonald's or wherever you go? Advertisers understand this. It's important to understand. And that's the connection. That's the connection between offering your body as a living sacrifice and renewing your mind. You guys follow me so far? All right, good. So, because you're new, because you've been born again, if you've received Jesus, you have a relationship with him, what will happen then is the Holy Spirit will begin to shift your lifestyle. And you'll notice it. 
You'll begin to shift what you do and what you don't do. And you'll notice it. And it's an amazing thing. He's leading you into freedom. See, a lot of people think, well, Christianity is just a life of bondage. No. It's bondage living how you weren't created to live. To live in a way that you're not created to live is bondage, right? For instance, if I, if I put a monkey in the zoo and train him to do all of these amazing things, that's awesome. But he's in bondage, right? He's not created to live in the zoo. And he's not created, he's created to swing from tree to tree to tree and eat bananas and have a good time and make loud monkey noises and do all that kind of stuff, right? If he's living as, if I put, if I put an artist, like this, this professional artist, in front of a bunch of financial numbers and tell him to be an accountant, they're going to think they're in bondage, right? Because they're created to be free and created to be painting. And if I put Daniel Mannix, an amazing you know, financial guy, accountant, in, in front of a painting. You're not an artist, are you, Daniel? Okay. If I put him in front of a painting and tell him it's bondage to him. And the artist says, it's not, it's amazing. See? In the same way, you are created to worship your creator. You're created not to focus on you. You're created to keep your focus on him, to be singularly focused on Jesus. You're created to live life that way, to live life for him. And by living life for him, you're sacrificing your life for others. And it's so much satisfaction. There's so much joy in living that way. But as soon as we begin living for self, as soon as we begin living, oh, I need this and I want this and I don't have this and I don't have that, it's death to us. We get depressed because of what we don't have. We start comparing ourselves to others and all of a sudden we feel terrible because we weren't created to live that way. And we're putting our sin creates bondage in our life because sin is not how you were created to live. Ephesians chapter 4. I don't think I have this in the notes. I'm kind of going on a tangent here. I'm going to have to come back. But Ephesians chapter 4, verses 23. And 24 says, to be made new in the attitude of your mind and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. You're created, born again, to be like him in true righteousness and holiness. So to live outside of that is bondage to you. So the Holy Spirit's going to lead you in that. And what does it look like in the daily? I'll tell you what it looks like for me and my wife. Over the years, God has changed what we watch on TV. We used to think this show was amazing and wonderful. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit, we'll, we'll both get this little like, baby, I, I don't think we need to watch this anymore. She's like, I, I know. And what the Holy Spirit is doing, he's changing the inputs into our eyes. And by changing the inputs into our eyes, he's renewing the way that we think. And by renewing the way that we think, he's changing how we feel. And by changing how we feel, he's changing our actions. So our members, our eyes are becoming instruments of righteousness instead of instruments of wickedness, which is leading our whole body and our whole self to be like Jesus. I used to listen to... Different music than I do now. But then the Holy Spirit began to show me, hey, this music is just talking about sex. Well, if, if the music's just talking about sex, it's going into my ears, it's creating thoughts. Yeah? So if it's creating thoughts, 
and I think about something enough, I'm going to feel a certain way, right? And if I feel a certain way enough, I allow myself, my brain, to, to consistently think about, and I feel a certain way enough, then guess what? I'm going to think, that's me. I feel it. It's me. No. It's not what the truth of his word says. But, but we humans get um, deceived by the way we feel a lot of times. Feelings are great. They're wonderful. God, God is a God of uh, emotion and wonderful, but the enemy uses emotions to deceive us. So we feel a certain way, and then I might do something that I didn't want to do. All because I allowed things to change my mind, renew my mind in the wrong way, instead of remo- renewing my mind to the truth of who he created me to be. You guys follow me? So we're constantly learning to offer our body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to him, learning to walk in freedom because that's who he is. And it's amazing. And it's wonderful. Now, we change the inputs into our mind, and in doing so, we change our thought patterns, and in doing so, we're changing our feelings, and in doing so, we're changing our habits, and we're living more like Christ. And I'm just going to read this to you. John, would you come up here, please? Renewing the mind is letting God create habits of worship in our members, in our hands, in our eyes, in our, in our feet. Instead of being hands that are quick to grab and take what's mine, they're hands that are quick to give say, and bless people. Instead of a mouth that is quick to down people for who they aren't, it's a mouth that is quick to speak and, and, and tell people who God's created them to be. Right? Shifting all of those things. So letting God create habits of worship in our members so that as we go in our daily lives, worship is normal. Like driving, we almost subconsciously can't help but live a life of worship. Offering all of ourselves to him and live out the righteous life he created to live. When we worship, our minds are taken off of ourselves and put on God. Our feelings change. We sense his presence. And often our body responds. And that is biblical. So I want to introduce John Kruger, who is a mighty man of God. And he's full of Jesus. We hired John uh, at the beginning of this year. He now leads our band. And he leads our production. And he leads our media. Do you think he's doing a great job? Yeah? I think so. And it's awesome. And the band's coming up, yeah. Um, but God has shown him that our heart posture, the position of our heart, it affects the position of our bodies during worship. And he's going to teach a little bit on worship. Go ahead, John. Good morning. Let's pray. You can never pray too much. There's power in prayer. So as we join in prayer, Lord, thank you so much for this morning. God, thank you that we have the opportunity to renew our minds by the reading of your word. God, thank you so much that you have placed us here in Clearwater. God, you have given us a space to encounter you. God, and I just thank you so much this morning for who you are. I step out of the way right now, and I pray that the revelation that you have just placed upon my heart brings revelation to some of the people here. God, my prayer and my hope is that we come away with a greater understanding of how much you love us and the many different ways that that you have identified to us to worship. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So go ahead and stand this morning. We're gonna read a scripture together. 
Scripture's going to be Psalm 150, if you want to turn to that, verse 1 through 6. I got my phone out because I'm a millennial. We write our notes on our phones. Um, so let's read this all together as a declaration this morning, okay? Psalms 151 through 6. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the resounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and lyre. Praise him with the timbrel and dancing. Praise him with the strings and the pipe. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with the resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Are you guys breathing? Are you breathing? We should be praising the Lord, right? It's amazing. Worship is, is not how we look. It's not a show, right? It's an overflow from our hearts. It's the position of our hearts, right? Uh, it's the posture. If you've, ever, if you've ever been talked to by your mom about your posture, you know what I'm talking about, right? Straighten up, right? It's a position. And in Matthew, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, and, and he's talking to them about uh, their hearts being far from the Father. He's talking to them about how their worship is in vain because their, their hearts are far from him. And that's the position, right? My hope and my prayer for all of us is that our hearts would be positioned close to him, that our heart posture would be towards him this morning. So this morning, we're going to go ahead and we're going to talk about seven different Hebrew words throughout scripture that talk about praise and worship. Uh, and the reason why Hebrew is important is because the majority, if not all of the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, if you haven't heard that. And so typically we'll find that there's one, two, three, four, maybe a couple of different phrases in our English language uh, for just one Hebrew word, uh, which is amazing. Um, so we find a lot of different ways that it's translated throughout scripture. So why don't we go ahead and we're going to dive into this right now. Uh, if you want to pull up, John, uh, that first slide. The first word that we're going to talk about is Barak. You've probably heard Barak. Uh, he's one of our presidents, in fact. But um, Barak is actually a Hebrew word that means to bow down or to kneel before with reverence, right? And so throughout Scripture, and these are not hard and fast rules, so I don't want, uh, I don't want to encourage any of you to be religious about this. Um, sometimes we'll be, we'll be um, worshiping, and we'll do one, two, three, four of these different things at one time, and God will call us into that, right? Again, it's not, it's not a show. It's not how we look. It's the posture of our hearts, uh, because out of the abundance of our heart, the mouth speaks, right? So when we're worshiping, it's out of our heart posture that we're worshiping. So, so when we encounter this word Barak, right, many times I, I find myself in worship, and I just feel the Lord leading me to get on my knees, I'm just saying, thank you, Father. I might be thanking him for something that hasn't happened, that halal worship that we're going to talk about in a second. I might be praising him for his goodness, right? I might just be saying, Jesus, you're good. Thank you that you're good, right? And sometimes he calls me all the way down to, to get prostrate before him, right? If you've, if you've read throughout scripture, it talks about laying prostrate before the Lord, right? Which means all the way down. I'm just going to get all the way down, Lord. I don't even care that this is a new shirt. God, I just wanna, I wanna give you everything this morning. 
I want to give you every part of me. I want to give you my whole heart. God, I surrender everything. I surrender my mind. I surrender my body. I surrender my heart. I surrender my aspirations. I want to give you everything, Jesus. Right? That word Barak is so important. Because God calls us into these many different forms of worship. And it's essential that we understand that, that these things that, that the enemy will try and tell us are scary. The enemy try, will try and tell us like, ah, oh, I don't know, that, that, that looks a little weird, right? No, they're all identified in scripture. These are things that God wants us to engage in. These are, these are chains that he's breaking off of our mindsets, right? The renewing of our mind. So let's go ahead and go to the next one. The next one is halal. Halal worship, to shine, boast, to rave about or celebrate, right? Uh, a couple of the definitions of this word are, are to be clamorously foolish. If you uh, watch worship at all, if you um, listen to it, um, sometimes you'll see some people uh, in videos that are just overcome by the joy of the Lord, right? And that's halal, to be clamorously foolish, to be celebrating the Lord. Like, I'm just stoked, right? Jesus, you are so good. We dance up here because we're doing that halal worship, because the joy of the Lord is free for us to access. Jesus came and he died so that he could complete the fullness of joy for us. It's right there, right? And so to, to be overcome by the joy of the Lord, to be excited, to be happy and full of joy, happiness is not always related to joy, but it's a result typically. And so it's so important that we understand that halal worship, to get excited, to celebrate the Lord. Let's move on to the next one, Shabbat. Shabbat is, is probably one of my favorite ones. These are all my favorite, but Shabbat is one that's, that's close to me. Um, there's a worship night that, that I've attended in the past uh, that, that, that's really special. And, and a lot of times I find myself in the back of the room. And, and, and this, this word Shabbat, if you're reading it behind me, it says to shout or command. What does that look like? Jesus! You are so good! You are so good, Jesus! Your mercies are new every day, Jesus! We have been given all authority of heaven because we are Christ's co-heirs. We are co-heirs with him right? So all authority of heaven is what we are walking in. We have the authority to command, to shout loudly. And sometimes when we're in this congregational worship, God leads us to, to proclaim his glory over the room, to proclaim his goodness. And it might be a little uncomfortable, but I tell you, when you step out in that, it's amazing. A few weeks ago, Courtney came up here and there were some chains on her, right? And Jesus breaks all of our chains, they're broken. When you accept his blood for you, it's broken. But sometimes they're just at our feet, right? They're, they're down there and they're just at our feet. And God doesn't want us to just walk around like this, right? That's not his intention. Sometimes we have to get uncomfortable and he calls us to kick those things away, right? And so God's probably going to encourage you. He's going to call you guys out to, to engage in some of these words today maybe. And I encourage you to step out into that uncomfortable spot where it's not you, but it's him. So let's move on to the next one, Zamar. Zamar is one that you will find us doing here on stage often. Uh, we sing on a Sunday morning because it's something that we can engage in together. Uh, as we read through Psalms, there's many different kinds of worship. There's dance, there's song, uh, 
uh, there's, there's creative arts, there's visual art. You can do all things unto him as worship. And, and the one of those ways is this word zamar, to touch the strings, right? So when, we, when we're up here and we're touching the strings, when, when we're playing the keys, when we're hitting the drum, it's that zamar worship, right? And at the end, typically mostly rejoicing. Right, we're rejoicing because of the good work that he's, he's doing in us, that he's done in us, and that he will do, right? He was, he is, and he will forever be, right? So we can rejoice in that. Let's move on to the next one, Tehillah. Tehillah is, is um, pretty relevant right now. If you know about worship, you've probably heard spontaneous worship, right? Uh, it's, it's pretty hot in our culture. Uh, spontaneous worship isn't something that we just made up. It's not something that just popped up in the last couple of years and like, oh, spontaneous worship. No, it's that word to hello worship, right? To sing a fresh song. God is calling us to write fresh songs. He's calling us to sing new songs, right? He is the God that is making all things new, right? Every day, his mercies are new. He's always making things new. Even, even that second ago, he's making that new right now, right? So sometimes... The abundance of our heart brings forth an unrehearsed song, right? That spontaneous, that Tehillah worship. And so sometimes you've seen it up here. We've done it, right? God, God is calling us deeper. And out of that abundance, just a fresh song of praise comes out. And I encourage you, as, as we grow together, you'll see that more up here, that, that we'll be growing. And, and, and God is going to come, and he's going to bring fresh songs of praise out of our hearts. Uh, if you've heard that song that we sing... Um, Fight My Battles. It's kind of a fun song. That song was written out of the abundance of, of Alyssa Smith's heart, right, in the spontaneous, in that Tehillah worship. Let's move on to the next one. We're almost done. Tadao. Tadao is to extend or raise your hands in thanksgiving, typically for something that has not yet happened. This one's interesting because there's probably been a time where, where you're in your car and maybe you lost your job. I've been there. And and you're just like, God, I don't know what to do. And you just throw your hands up and you just say, ah, Jesus, I just give it to you, right? That's this word, tada, right? And typically, we'll, we'll see that in here a lot. And, and, and we think, oh, well, you just, you just raise your hands. That's just the thing to do, right? But typically, this word, tada, is to raise our hands in thanksgiving for what has not come yet because we believe that he is faithful to continue a work that he has started, right? Scripture, that's right out of Scripture. He's faithful to continue a work that he has started, right? So sometimes that just looks like this. Sometimes it, sometimes it is lower. Sometimes it's like this. Again, these are not hard and fast. This is, this is the position of our hearts, right? So let's move on to the last one. The last one is Yada. This one's really interesting to me to extend your hands vigorously as in complete surrender. Jesus came to serve. Jesus came in full humility. The first sin that ever happened was pride. And Jesus came as a servant, right? Full surrender. God wants us to surrender our hearts. And sometimes when we're in worship, you'll see somebody just So sometimes you'll see that word yada, and you'll see it with the shabak as well. And you're proclaiming something over the room. We walk in all authority, right? Sometimes God 
uh, prompts us. And sometimes there's some junk in the room when we're worshiping together. And God's just calling us into uh, uh, that authority to proclaim his freedom over the room. So sometimes I'm, I'm, I'm in the back of the room. Sometimes I'm up here. Sometimes I'm on that drum set. And I'm just saying, Jesus, Jesus, I just thank you for freedom in this room. Enemy, leave in Jesus' name. Your Holy Spirit is here. We proclaim your goodness right now. Thank you, Jesus. With all authority that you have given me, I just proclaim freedom in this room. I proclaim your love in this room. I proclaim your love over the hearts that have never felt love in this room. That's what you'll see when you see this, this word, yadah, yadah, don't quote me. It's that proclamation, right? I want to encourage you with this last thing. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It's so important. As we posture our hearts towards the Lord, worship is, a, is, is an overflow. It's not a show. It's an overflow from our hearts, right? When we position our hearts to him, when we surrender to him, he can do anything, right? When we're, when we're not trying to be the clay that's trying to be a, a, a fountain, God can take our blob of clay and he can make it into a beautiful tower, right? When we surrender to him. When we worship, he invades our worship. It says in Psalm 22, I believe, that, that he can't help but come invade our worship, right? It's a promise. When we, when we worship him, especially corporately, he comes. And he, he also promises that where two or more are gathered, he is here. So I can assure you that he is here. The, the presence of God is in this room with us right now, and the atmosphere of heaven is, is in this building. We, we spend so much time praying over this campus, over Clearwater, and I can assure you that God is here and with him is the presence of heaven, that when we worship, we sneak in the back door of heaven, of all the angels that are worshiping God every second of every day, we get to join them in worship. So I encourage you, if God's calling you this morning into a fresh praise, if God's calling you into one of these, these words that we outlined, whether it's to lay prostrate, whether it's to, to command his name over the room, whether it's just to raise your hands for the first time, I encourage you to step out into that uncomfortable place and let him be your comforter. This is a free place to worship Jesus together. There's room. It's here for you. Let me pray over you guys. Thank you, Jesus, so much for the mighty work that you have done on the cross. Thank you that we have complete joy in you. Thank you, God, that you sustain us. Thank you that we have the opportunity given by you to worship. God, to proclaim your glory, to come together and, and push each other forward in worship. God, I pray that that what was spoken today was, was maybe hit home for some, as it did for me. And I thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to The Real Church Podcast. If you have questions, comments, or would like to get to know us, be sure to check us out on social media by searching Real Church Clearwater or visit us online at www.realchurch.us. If you'd like to play a part in what we're doing, you can do so right where you are. Your prayers are powerful and effective. You can also be a part through giving. Go to realchurch.us and click the Give button.
Whether you're praying, giving, or serving with Real Church, you are playing a part in every life being changed. Thank you. Until our next podcast, be blessed. We'll see you next time.